Turn with me to Psalm 63. For several weeks now, we've been studying consistently each Sunday the knowledge of God and His attributes. And the purpose of that is not the bare facts of His nature, but for us to know Him and that it would grow our relationship with Him. Even today, when we study the hatred and the love of God, the purpose is not that we would enjoy those attributes in and of themselves, but that we would know Him, that we would love Him and delight in Him and grow our relationship. Psalm 63 is on this topic of seeking the Lord daily. On Wednesday night, we studied at length Hebrews 11, 6, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That's what Psalm 63 is about. It's about diligently seeking Him. I'll offer some comments and then I'll read it to you. The ability to know God is no accident. Providentially, God inspired and then preserved His Word that we could study each attribute that we've been seeing over the past few weeks. He gave that to us especially. It was not an accident for Him to reveal Himself through His written Word. And it was also not an accident for Him to open your heart to want to know that. Hebrews 8, quoting from Jeremiah 31, contains this passage, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. This is a benefit of the new covenant, that we would know him from our hearts, that he's created a new nature inside us, that we have the ability to know him and appreciate him. That's no accident. He's revealed himself through his word and in our own hearts. So how is it that we seek the Lord? I I propose to you today that that requires two essential ingredients, solitude and silence. Uh, Most of us don't live in a monastery. We have daily responsibilities that command our attention every moment of every day, and the Lord has commanded us to perform very well and, and diligently in all those activities. Think of how many of these or more that you uh, that the Lord's entrusted to you, being a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a student, duties toward your parents, including your in-laws, toward your profession and your master, maintaining the orderliness of your house and vehicles, providing good meals for your family, being hospitable, etc., etc. You can fill that list out to the 50 or 100 duties that you have that the Lord's commanded you to perform on a daily basis. We don't live in monasteries. The Lord's called us to each of those. And they're not evil, they're good. He's commanded us to fulfill each of those duties. But we need to keep in mind that here is the most urgent and most important duty, which is seeking the Lord on a daily basis. We have to use wisdom and pragmatism in the way we approach our time management in order to create this section of our day. It doesn't happen by itself. I want to give you five little practical considerations on how to do that. And if you don't like them, create your own. And let me know what they are. Tip number one, get up before your children. If you have kids between the ages of one and ten, silence and solitude are not part of your life while they're awake. It's important that you get up before them. 
Or if they wake up early, tell them to stay in bed and, and be quiet. It's not going to hurt them. But it is going to hurt them if you don't get your time with the Lord. Yes. Tip number two, avoid email, social media, or Internet first thing in the morning so that you have that block of time and you're not distracted and run away with, with time on those things. Tip number three, for some time, focus physically, visually, on uh, mainly creation and not man-made objects. This is a tip that helps me. Perhaps it would help you. I have the example of Jesus, Isaac, and Peter as people that spent time outside with the Lord and not um, around other people or or man-made devices or objects. Jesus went to meditate in the mountain, not in another room of the house. Isaac was meditating in the field when Rebecca met him. Peter was on the housetop, not inside the house, when he had the vision about going to the Gentiles. Tip number four, simplify your life. This is not a trivial one. It's important that you reduce the number of things on your on your calendar, reduce your carefulness, cut out things that complicate your calendar, cut out things that burden your household budget. This is very important that you simplify your life and be yes. without carefulness as much as possible. Our pastor, you might have noticed this comment, I believe it was last week. Don't push the up arrow on your treadmill, push the down arrow. And you have to understand that. If you listen to everything he says, you need to push the up arrow on your natural duties during the day and do them more efficiently. But you need to push the down arrow in that you need to simplify your life so that you can carve out this time that I'm telling you about right now. And that brings us to tip number five, maximize productivity in the rest of your day. Practice wise time management. Uh, there's, there's tasks that are urgent and important. There's tasks that are urgent but not important. There's tasks that are important but not urgent, meaning you can procrastinate them a bit. And then there's tasks that are not urgent or important. And those you need to cut out. You have more time in your calendar than you think you have. If you really pay attention to your clock in the day, you spend a lot of time on tasks that are not urgent nor important. But this is number one. This is the most urgent and most important. If you look at verse one real quick before I read it, my soul, my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. If you're thirsty or if you're hungry, and you're dying, that's very urgent and important. Yes. So David's giving us a, a clue here. And your categorization of your tasks each day, this goes at the top. Hey. If you wonder whether you have a desire for God, if you're really feeling that longing or thirsty, you can drop down to verse 5. If you're in a dry and thirsty land, or sorry, if, you, if you're not satisfied as with marrow and fatness, that's, that means that you're in a dry and thirsty land. So this, this psalm applies to you, and what I'm suggesting to you is that you need to carve out this time in your day and, and focus and meditate on attributes of God and communicate with Him on a daily basis, and you'll feel more of that marrow and fatness. Yes. Also, uh, pay attention here that this is not... Speaking of family devotions, this is not speaking of prayer with your spouse. This is you only with the Lord. Let me read you Psalm 63 and think on these 
words and how they can apply to your life. O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see Thy power and Thy glory, so as I have seen Thee in the sanctuary. Because Thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise Thee. Thus will I bless Thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in Thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise Thee with joyful lips. When I remember Thee upon my bed, and meditate on Thee in the night watches. Because Thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of Thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after Thee, Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword, they shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Amen. Amen. Amen.